0: I'm Dave Isay, founder of StoryCorps. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Morgan Stanley, a proud sponsor of StoryCorps. Morgan Stanley is committed to giving back and to fostering meaningful dialogue among people and communities. MorganStanley.com.
1: This is the StoryCorps podcast from NPR. I'm your host, Camila Kashani. Now that 2020 is behind us, we're embracing the new year. So we're celebrating other moments when change was welcomed and even desired. We're gonna hear from two people who made big changes later in life, both around their careers. For Drew Lanham, the shift was inspired by his childhood. In 2019, he spoke with his friend, John Lane, about how growing up on his family farm in South Carolina, helped him find his calling.
0: My grandfather began to build a farm in the 1920s, and my father saw it as a responsibility to stay on the home place. He didn't leave the soil, and I saw the land as my father's heart. My grandmother, she would stand on her front porch, and she could holler literally from across the pasture, across the holler. That's what I always thought that holler meant. (laughs) I didn't know it was a geographical thing. Going back and forth between my grandmother's house and my parents' house, I would stop to investigate gig beetles, and bobwhite quail were usually in some thicket somewhere along the way. It might take me a couple of hours to walk that. It seemed like a thousand miles. How far literally was it? Less than a quarter of a mile. <laughs> Once I left for college, everybody said, you're good at math and science. Be an engineer. Make money, Drew. So I tried that but hated every last moment of it. Dad was 52 when he died. There were arguments about what would happen on the land, and I can remember coming back home. All of these wonderful forests that I'd grown up in had been clear cut, and losing that land was like losing my father all over again. I remember leaving that day and driving up this dirt road and there's this prairie warbler that's singing zy, z, 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 z. And it was the most hopeful thing for me. I never believed that I should be an engineer. I said, I can't do this anymore. Went back to my apartment. Dark night of the soul. I got a big bowl of fruit loops, and thought about the next steps. I remember first going out to study these. Eastern bluebirds, and the work was often hot and long hours. But there were these moments when I would look up and there would be flocks of bobolinks or the songs of meadowlarks. And taking the moment to realize that I was doing what I had always dreamed. From a very early age, I believed that I would be someone who, who studied birds, who somehow found a way to fly. And so I would like to think that my father would see my turn towards the study of nature as carrying a legacy forward.
1: That's ornithologist Drew Lanham talking to his friend John Lane in Clemson, South Carolina. After the break, a job that many of us never even knew existed, full of literal ups and downs. Stay with us.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor Subaru and their annual Subaru Share the Love event. By the end of this, their 13th year, Subaru and its participating retailers will have donated over $200 million to help those in need by partnering with organizations like the ASPCA and Make-A-Wish. With every Subaru purchased or leased through January 4th, Subaru will donate $250 to a charity of your choice. More at Subaru.com share. Love, it's what makes Subaru, Subaru.
2: LifeKit is rethinking New Year's resolutions. All this January, we're thinking about both really big and really small changes. If you're wanting to change up your life and start fresh, we've got you covered. If you're looking to just make your home a little nicer, we got you there too. Listen now to the LifeKit podcast from NPR.
1: Welcome back. Our next story comes from Jacksonville, Florida. That's where Barb Abelhauser found her calling. She spent most of her life working in an office, but when she was 51, she decided to trade in her cubicle for a job that came with a view. In 2009, Barb came into one of our mobile booths with her friend, John Maycumber. She told him about why she wanted to spend the rest of her days as a bridge tender.
2: The pay's horrible, the benefits are worse, but I have the most gorgeous view in the entire city. I mean, executives who make hundreds of thousands of dollars do not have my view. And I'm getting paid to stop and look. That's the thing I think I love the most about this.
0: You must see a lot of things that the rest of us miss.
2: You know, I think about that a lot because... I've been sitting in the same exact spot for all these years, and I see the passage of the seasons. I see the alligator that hangs out below my window, and when she lays her eggs, I hear baby gators barking, and people don't even realize we're there. They'll walk past us and say the most intimate, private things, and we hear them. People go on dates on these bridges, and they propose. So you get this little tiny snapshot of people's personal lives that they don't even realize that they're giving you. There was a fisherman that used to come through the bridge every morning like clockwork. I never knew his name. You know, we had a connection, but we don't really know who each other is. And one day he came through, I waved, and I found out in the news that maybe 10 minutes later, while he was on his boat heading out to fish, he had a heart attack and passed away. His boat washed up on the shore of the river, He was on the boat alone, so I was the last person that saw him alive. Makes you think, makes you appreciate. You know, I'll be out there at 3 in the morning, there's no traffic, it's quiet, and I'll look up and there's the moon. And I try to thank the universe at least once a night for this opportunity, you know. I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. And if that happens, I want to have woken up that day and not thought, I don't want to go to work, you know? Most people don't have that. I love it.
1: That's Barb Abelhauser speaking with her friend, John Maycumber. In 2014, Barb moved to Seattle, where she became a bridge operator for the Department of Transportation. From bird watching to people watching. That's all for this episode of the StoryCorps podcast. To see animated versions of both of these interviews, head to storycorps.org. While you're there, you can also see the music we used in this episode, along with original artwork created by Lindsay Mound. This episode was produced by me and Sylvie Lubau. Judd S.T. Kendall is our editor. Jarrett Floyd is our technical director and wrote our theme song. Natsumi Ajisaka is our fact checker. Special thanks to Jasmine Morris, Aisha Turner, and Lily Sullivan. For the StoryCorps Podcast, I'm Camila Kashani. Catch you next week. This podcast is brought to you by supporters of StoryCorps, an independently funded nonprofit organization, and is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people.